Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. It's Monday, October 5th, 2020. This is Josh Caldwell, Lifeline's Vice President of International Ministry. Today, we're going to continue our study of the book Ezekiel, chapter 37. As we think about Ezekiel, where we come to this uh, chapter 37 is really divided in two parts, verses 1 through 14 and 15 through 28. And we're going to look at both of those today. In this first section of verses, the valley of the dry bones. This is an an incredible picture of resurrection and God's power to resurrect and the power of Christ in us to regenerate our hearts. And uh, it may be one that you've heard before, maybe one that is common to you and, and maybe one that you've heard in your church, the valley of the dry bones. And then the second chapter or second section that we see in verses 15 through 28, is about the restoration, but also about unity. So let's start in reading verses 1 through 14 of chapter 37 of Ezekiel. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones, and he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones Live, And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I commanded and I prophesied there was a sound and behold, a rattling and the bones came together bone to its bone. And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and the skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on the slain, and they shall live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood there on their feet, exceedingly great army. Verse 11, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves. O my people, I will bring you into the land of Israel and you shall know that I am the Lord. And when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you, you shall live and I will place you in in your own land. And then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. When we start here in chapter 37, we see the beginning of Israel's hopelessness. 
In verse 11, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. At this point, they have been in exile for at least 12 years. And we look back, if you look back a couple of chapters in Ezekiel 33, it says in the 12th year of our exile in the 10th month and on the fifth day, a fugitive from Jerusalem came to me and said, the city has been struck down. So even in chapter 33, if you look back, that was in the 12th year. So we know that they've been in exile for at least 12 years when you come to chapter 37. Jerusalem has fallen and the temple has been destroyed and many have been slaughtered. And despite all Ezekiel has preached and prophesied, they have lost their hope. We should be able to identify with this hopelessness. And we think about the struggle of Israel throughout, throughout Ezekiel. We should be reminded that we once were hopeless as well. And we see this, uh, Landon Dowden, who wrote a commentary on this, uh, pointed to this scripture of Ephesians 2, 11 through 12. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision, what is called circumcision, which is made in the flesh of my hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So remember that we once were also hopeless. We can identify with where the Israelite, where the the kingdom of Israel is in this part of Ezekiel. In 1981, John Piper have a sermon that reminds us about this. And it says this, uh, Uh, Quoting John Piper in this sermon, he says, therefore, when Paul says to us, remember that you were without God, he didn't just mean remember that you once lacked knowledge about God. He meant remember that you were once not God was not your God and that he would not yet apart be apart from the gospel. And if he was not your God, then he has not for us, but against us. He was not our justifier, but our condemner, not eternal life, but eternal damnation lay before us. And it's just this that Paul wants us to remember. Remember that apart from Christ, almighty God would be against us. Apart from Christ, we would be storing up wrath for ourselves on one day for the righteous judgment of God. But apart from the free and unmerited mercy of Christ, we would go away into eternal punishment. Whereas Paul says in a single phrase, we would utterly be without hope. Therefore, the answer to our first question, what are we to remember? We are to remember the entirety of our hopeless condition apart from the mercy of God. I think that's a beautiful picture of what we are to remember as we're reading through Ezekiel, um, as we're reading through Ezekiel 37. As we look back at these first couple of verses in our section here, the hand of the Lord was upon me. We know that God was upon Ezekiel and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. We know the spirit of the Lord was on Ezekiel and he set him down in the middle of a valley and it was full of bones and he led me around. Think about this imagery of him leading him around this valley that is full of bones and behold, there were many bones on the surface of this valley and they were very dry. And I can't imagine thinking through this what Ezekiel's experiencing walking around this valley of skeletal remains of skulls and 
arm bones and leg bones and hip bones and all these just laying around in this valley and could see this picture that they were totally dead. And what is God wanting him to see? That He's wanting him to see that Israel was totally dead. And we know in Jeremiah 34, 20, what God says will happen to those who do not keep his commands. It says, I will give them into the hand of their enemies and into the hands of those who seek their lives. Their dead bodies shall be food for birds of the air. If we look on in verse three and uh, four of our, our verse three of our Ezekiel 37, it says, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh, Lord God, you know, let's think about this for a minute. This is bones and not just bones, but but bones that are that have no flesh on them. So that means they've obviously been there for a long time. And and God is asking, can these bones live? And, you know, I don't know what you think your answer would be, but God, we know that God surely has the power to raise these bones, as we've seen in like in Genesis where he created life. We know that he can create life out of nothing. We know how he knits us together in our mother's womb. We know how God creates life. And Ezekiel has seen much of God's power in the past. So he knows that God has the power. And I love this great response from Israel. I mean, from Ezekiel, though, that he says, oh, Lord God, you know. He's acknowledging that God is all powerful and all knowing and that I'm relying on you for the answer to that question, God. Romans 4.17 says this, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. And we see as we keep going and we see in verse four here um, of Ezekiel 37, it says, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And thus the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. You know, what do you think Ezekiel would do? He, he's been asked to prophesy over these bones. And I think he is going to show that he has great trust in the faith in the Lord. Because you know, I had a conversation with my boys over obedience um, this past weekend. And as I was thinking about that conversation, one of them broke down into tears and just upset. Um, and it, but it was a beautiful moment because it's a pure sign of the Holy Spirit and conviction. Um, but he was very upset. And I went and talked to him, told him it was OK and that he was forgiven and that he needed to put it behind him that we were all okay and everything was going to be fine, that um, that I had forgiven him and that I uh, loved him. But he, over again and again, he has seen me show grace in the past, but in this moment, he did not think I was going to. And I began to let him know that I can be trusted and that uh, if I tell him that everything is okay and I tell him he's forgiven, that you need to trust that. And then it just really hit me that we began talking about the Lord and his forgiveness how we must trust in the Lord and we must um, be faithful to his commands and we must be faithful to what he is telling us because how many times in my life have I forgotten that the Lord's forgiveness is immediate and right and true and forever and will take my sin as far from the East as from the West. How, How many times have I forgotten that, that I need to have full trust and faith in the Lord? 
And I think that's what's an extraordinary thing here about Ezekiel. He shows a strong faith and trust in the Lord. He has just been asked to prophesy over clearly dead bones, over clearly uh, nothingness. And let's see what happens in the next few verses. In verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded, and I prophesied there with a sound And behold, a rattling, the bones came together, bone to its bone, and look, behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh came upon them, and the skin had covered them, and they had no breath in them. And if you keep going, um, then he's asked to prophesy to the breath. He's asked to prophesy that life would be breathed into them. And as Landon Dowden in this commentary puts, there are two parts of the resurrection, the word of the Lord and the spirit of the Lord. In verse four, we see that prophesy over these bones is to said, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And then uh, in verse 10, prophesied, commanded me the breath to come in them and they would live and stood on their feet. But the breath that came in them is the spirit of the Lord. Ezekiel could preach with confidence because the Lord said, if you will prophesy over them, I will cause the flesh to come upon them and I will cause them to live and put breath in them so that they will know that I am the Lord. Let's keep looking at verses uh, 11 through 14. And then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. And these next verses, 11 through 14. And, you know, why did he do this whole picture? It was to, to so that Israel would know that he is the Lord. It says that he knows so they will know I am the Lord. And um, he knows that they will put the spirit within you in verse 14 and they shall live. And the end of verse 14, so they shall know that I am the Lord. I love this. All throughout scripture, we see God making himself known that he is the Lord. As I think about this, obviously, we brought to a place of remembering Christ and his transformation in us and how he has breathed life in us. And I want to read First uh, Corinthians 15, I want to read um, a, several verses out of First Corinthians 15, and this is going to take just a minute, but I would like for, if you're listening to this podcast today, I'd like for you to take just a few minutes to reflect on these words that we see in First Corinthians 15 and let them wash over you and encourage you today. First uh, Corinthians verse 15, uh, chapter 15, verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand and by which you were saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered you as the first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sin in accordance with scripture and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with scripture. And he appeared to Caiaphas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one ultimately born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called the apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder 
than any of them, though it was not, I, but the grace of God that was in me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached and you believed. Verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God and he raised us when he did not raise. If it is true that the dead are not raised, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sin. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are all people most to be pitied. Verse 20, but in Christ, in the, in, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then in his coming, those who belong to Christ, then comes the end when he will deliver the kingdom of God forever after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy will be destroyed by death, for God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are in put in subjection, it is plain that he is expected who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected under him, then the son himself will be subjected under him who put all things in subjection that God may be all in all. I'm going to skip down to verse 45. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, a living being, the last Adam became a living spirit. But it is not a spiritual that it is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from earth, man of dust, the second from heaven as the man of dust. So also are those who are of the dust and the man of heaven. So also are those who are of heaven. Just as we were born the image of man of dust, we shall also bear the image of man in heaven. I will tell you, brothers, flesh cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I will tell you the mystery. We shall not all fall asleep, but we shall be charged in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For the perishable body must be put on the imperishable, and this immortal must be on immortality. When perishable puts on imperishable, the mortal puts on immortality. And then shall come to pass the saying that was written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is in 
is sin and the power of sin is law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And I love this picture of the valley of the dry bones and this picture in 1 Corinthians 15, the resurrection of Jesus. And we know through the resurrection of Jesus that he has the Lord over death, that he is in charge of the world. He is the Lord over our sin and Satan. He is the Lord over you and me. Today, we are to believe in the resurrection of Christ and the surrender of our Lordship of Christ. Let's look on to our next set of verses, which is 15 through 28. And this is talking about the a unity of the people. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, take a stick, write on it for Judah and the people of Israel associated with him. And then take another stick and write on it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim and all the house of Israel associated with him and join them together into one stick that they may become one in your hand. And when your people say to you, will you not tell us What you mean by these, say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I'm about to take the stick of Joseph and the tribes of Israel associated with him, and I will join with the stick of Judah and make them one stick, and they shall be one in my hand. And when the sticks are on, which you write on your hand before your eyes, say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will take the people of Israel from the nation among which they have gone, and I will gather them from all around and bring them into their land. I will make them one nation in the land on the mountain of Israel, and one king shall be king over all, and they shall be no longer two nations and no longer divided into two kingdoms. They shall not defile themselves anymore with their idols and their detestable things or with any of their transgressions, but I will save them from all the backsliding in which they have sinned and will cleanse them. For I am their God. My servant David will be king over them and they shall have one shepherd. They shall work in my rules and be careful to obey my statutes. And they shall dwell in the land that I gave them, my servant Jacob, where your fathers lived. They and their children and their children's children shall dwell there forever. And David, my servant, shall be their prince forever. I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be everlasting covenant with them. And I will set them in their land and multiply them. And I will set my sanctuary in the midst forever. My dwelling place will be with them and I will be their God and they shall be my people and the nations will know that I'm the Lord who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in the midst of them forever. God was doing a work in Israel to show life and to show them their one nation. We see this great illustration in verses 16 and 17 of the sticks coming together. He's wanting them to know. We see in verse 20 through 24, they are one nation and one king. Um, And then we see through verses 25 and 26 that ultimately he will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Verse 26, he will give them peace. In verse 26, he is their covenant uh, will be everlasting. And we want the nations will know that he is God and he is the one who sanctifies Israel. And this reminds me of of Psalm 67, 
this picture of may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your way may be known on earth and your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God, and let the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. Our God, our God shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. This picture of God's uh, way being made known and his power being made known among all nations. Let's remember today that he is Lord over death. He is Lord over sin. He is Lord over you and me. Let's believe in the resurrection of Christ and surrender to his lordship today. And we are being saved to bring, and he's bringing life, but he's also bringing unity. Thank you for joining us for the Defender podcast this week. And and we are praying for uh, foster care in the U.S. We want to pray for the children in care, for their salvation and for their healing. We want to pray for birth families. We want to pray for their motivation to accomplish their goals and for their salvation. We want to pray for more licensed foster families. So today, will you pray with me for foster care in the U.S.? Will you pray for foster care right where you are, wherever you're listening to this from, for your county, for your city, for the children that are in care? And let's pray for their birth families. Let's pray for the children. Let's pray for more licensed uh, families in foster care. Lord, thank you for Ezekiel 37 and showing us your power to resurrect, your power over death. Thank you, Lord, for your many, many blessings. And I pray, God, that you would be with the children in care and foster care and that you would bring them to salvation that only can come from you, that you would bring them out of spiritual darkness into spiritual light with you through your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray today for birth families, that you would draw them to yourself, help them, empower them to accomplish the goals set out before them, Lord, and that you would give them life. And Lord, I pray um, lastly for um, the foster families. And Lord, I pray that you would raise up a generation of foster families and more foster families that are even necessary for the kids in care today. Lord, I pray that you would bring them forth. They would be on a ministry partnership and come to this in a way that they can love on children and love on birth families and serve um, through the best care of kids in care. We love you, Lord. We thank you and we need you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks everybody for joining us on the Defender Podcast. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study. Music